0: you drop the burden
1: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Brooklyn-born, France-based jazz and blues singer Natalia M. King. She is of Dominican origin and was born in the musically rich revolutionary time of 1969 in Brooklyn's Latino-American district. When she was an adolescent, she left the barrio to settle with her family in Rochester, New York State. She went on to study sociology and history at university. Her path eventually led her to France, and it was a decision that was natural and almost written in the stars. And speaking of the stars, that is a part of our conversation. She is a wondrous talent, full of wisdom and soul. Enjoy this tale.
2: You've had quite a morning or afternoon. No, it's it's, it's
0: actually uh, almost 6.30 here, or it is 6,
2: 6.39. I always love these calls because I really am a big fan of the future, so I get to be in there firsthand. Oh, you're Awesome, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And, and I want to just say up front, my mother-in-law actually follows what I do with my interviews and heard you through a link on Facebook and said, you have to listen to this. And I listened to it. We were eating dinner and my wife and her, we were there and we were listening to your music and I was like, I got I to gotta go reach out to her right after we're done here. So I was pretty yeah, allured. Awesome. Yeah, so um, her name's Terry Keel, but she was the one that specifically tipped me off, so I'm glad that we got in touch. And are you in Paris right now?
0: No, I was in Paris two days ago, but I actually live in the south of France. I live in the province. Okay. I work out of Paris. When I go to work and when I take off from gigs, it's from Paris.
2: So where are you originally from?
0: I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I don't know if you know uh, New York City, Bushwick, Decal, Myrtle Avenue...
2: I hear about Brooklyn all the time. My dad was born in Brooklyn and raised in Long Island. Oh, good for him.
0: Good for him. Right on. So, so you, is, is that, is that, is that the name, John Domino, you, are you Italian? Yeah. You know?
2: <laughs> See, Italiano. Yeah. My, my dad was full blooded. Uh, half of it was from Naples. The other half was from Sicily. It's all good. Of oh, course, again, I want to give a shout out to Terry. I'm really, really
0: happy that your mother-in-law shared this music with you and that Thanks to that, I'm on Neon Jazz Radio. That, that's really cool on her part, and, and I send her blessings for it. Really,
2: really. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm grateful too. And before we get into your life and your music and what's going on, we've gone through COVID. It's been quite a time on planet Earth. How did you survive as an artist? I mean, the artists on this planet were the last ones to really kind of get let loose. So, how have you been doing?
0: I've been, I've been doing good. I I, I, I kind of you know I kind of have mixed feelings about the COVID. It was. It was first and foremost a very creative space for me. I picked up my guitar more, I wrote more, I contemplated more, and I reflected more. Even if it was something that really hurt us as artists because we you know, we couldn't be seen or heard, I think it was a great, how can I say that, spiritual space. I think it was a great energetic space because it got me back into the music in a way where you know, it wasn't like the job or, 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 or work. Sometimes, you know, it can be very stressful being a musician, but I got back into it in a more intimate and devoted way and, it, and just, you know, picking, picking up my guitar for the love of it and, and, and going into writing for the love of it and not because, you know, it needs to be done for the next album, for the next this, this and this and that. Sometimes as a musician... We lose ourselves in the in the business aspect and forget why we do it in the first place. And I, I feel like Kobe put me back in love for the music for the pure reasons, the reasons why I started in the first place. I think Woman Mind of My Own, I think at least three or four titles came out from the confinement. So, I mean, it, it couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> it wasn't all that bad, really,
2: really. Well, and I hear a lot of silver linings. You know, there was almost a level of planet Earth that needed to take a moment to kind of exhale because we we do move so fast and we go so absolutely. fast that we don't pay attention to what's around us and when you have the chance to do it you get that clarity that you mentioned.
0: Absolutely, absolutely and I was so happy in the sense that you know a lot of the spaces on Mother and Planet Earth got cleared up you know there were dolphins swimming in the in the ports of Venice uh, there were elephants walking in you know in New Bombay so I mean it's something good I'm I'm almost positive that something good came out of that that whole experience. It had its positive and and negative aspects, but I think there was some type of balance that was was made, you know, with Mother Earth and even with people. I think a lot of people's lives changed after that, you know, that permitted them to go inside and to ask themselves who they were. No, I think I think there's some good things, a lot of bad things, but a lot of good things as well. How'd you, how you? How did you live it? I'm just curious,
2: Joe. When this happened, I have a 16 year old stepdaughter and a 17 year old son who was in the autism spectrum, and I always thought the two things that he likes the most in life is school and he loves baseball and when this pandemic happened both of those went away and i was like what what are we going to do so you just adapt you know there was a lot of car rides went to a lot of nature sanctuaries in fact at one point one of the most stark things that happened to me at one point we lived next to a nature preservation area and we we pulled up about oh i would say probably early april and there's a man that's sitting there in his car with a big camera and I can just see he's getting excited, and I look out, and there's a bald eagle that's like flying in front of us, and I'm like, "Wow!" So I start taking some pictures, trying to absorb it. Anyway, I real quick, I I said to him, you know, "Wow, that was amazing." He said, "I've been coming here for almost 11 years now, trying to get this photo," and I was like, "Wow." So.
0: Well, it's very rare to see them. Absolutely. Your son, I mean, he came out all right, nevertheless.
2: Yeah, we all came out. Yeah, and it was all about perspective. And, you know, I remember even at the end of that year, I was talking to him about things. And his perspective was that he had a great year. And, you know, we just Whoa. we made things work. And uh, that's just all you can do. Uh, I I I was convinced during this that whoever you were going into this pandemic was going to be magnified. So if you saw that glass half full, there you go. If you saw it half empty, that was going to be well you know. Well so
0: said. Absolutely. Well said. It was magnified. It's a, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use what you just said. I like that.
2: Cool. You were you were born in 69. Everything was the music world was raging from Otis Redding, Jim Morrison, you know, Janice Joplin don't all the way to. Jimmy, there. don't forget Andrew. I, I'm working my way to Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy's the cherry on top. And you were brought into this planet during a time where the music was, and, and even the, the consciousness of, of the planet was really tilting towards a revolution that needed to happen. So, talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and how music became your central focus
0: wow that's a great way that's a great way to begin the, the question and, and you're absolutely right I, I believe that we're part of every every uh, particle in the universe the moment that we're born and maybe even the moment that we're conceived and so i think maybe that's where the first seed of, of my love of music came from i can't say that i was pushed as a child to play or to sing i was born in new york city as i, as I already mentioned to you and and, and New York City in the 1970s, early 1970s, 80s, I mean, it was was just, like you said, it was the happening place to be, musically, energetically, I like that word, spiritually, and it was, yeah, it was a revolution. And I think just being there, just the, the fact that my Dominican mother decided that my brother and I would be born there and would be raised there was already revolutionary. And it gave me a lot of, of who I am. And even the way that I listened to music, I was listening to everything from the Rolling Stones to Jimi Hendrix to the late 80s, Yoko Ono to, I mean, just being in the Big Apple at that time. My mother was a very open-minded person. So we, I mean, we'd listen to everything. We had PBS on TV and, and, and we listened listen to all types of radio stations. So I think that really planted a seed somewhere. And then the rest was just, you know, I think more so. No, no, no offense towards Kansas City, but being in New York City at that time just expands your mind in and of itself. Even if you're just a child, just just the things that you see and the things that you experience. So I think it was a good brain that you know that began, I guess, my love for music and overall for life. And then from there, I think it just continued to grow until my university years. And instead of being like the passive I guess uh, person taking it all in, I wanted to start giving it back and, and, and putting, out, putting it out. And, and so, yeah, I would say that that Brooklyn was really like a, a good foundation to who and what I am today as a musician. That's for sure.
2: So when did you pick up an instrument and start using your voice? When did all that happen, and how did that gain steam for you?
0: That happened, and I think first time I picked up an instrument. The first time I picked up really an instrument was a plastic guitar that my mother my mother bought from a Japanese um, kind of a mix. I don't know what you call that, like a bazaar store. Uh, obviously, the guitar did not play very well, but there was a familiar feeling to it, nevertheless. And then when I picked it up again, I was a sophomore, either a freshman or sophomore, in college already knowing how to play a little bit I just wanted to get a good grade to to add to my curriculum but I think I didn't really start to take it seriously until I moved to California and I started doing open mics and uh, open jams on Sundays And in fact, if you want to know the truth, I started doing it because when we did it, we drank a a beer called Guinness, and I love this beer. Uh, It was really to hang out with friends and just drink in the beginning. But uh, I saw that the the singing, mostly at that time, the guitar playing came later, was really touching a lot of people. People would come up to me and say, my God, you gave me chills. You gave me... you know, the hair on the back of my neck stood up when you, when you sang. And, and in the beginning, it was just like, okay, that's flattering, but I, I saw that I was moving people emotionally. And so I, I started to take it seriously. And it was from that moment on, I think I was maybe 24, 25, I said, well, maybe I should try to pursue this. So I had little groups here and there, and, and then one day just decided with my guitar and a banjo and backpack to, to come to, 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 to France. And see what would
2: happen. You know, you got a very unique combination and, and with what I do with this show, I really follow jazz closely. And I don't see many people cross over with your talent level from jazz to blues as you have done. How how do those worlds work in your mind and how premeditated or not was that decision to have both of those zygotes, so to speak, become who you are?
0: excellent question really excellent question Even the way it's phrased i think you know anyone who's a music lover or more so anyone's a a lover of blues and of jazz knows that they're they're related you know if they're not cousins they're they're sisters they're not sisters they're brothers and if they're not brothers they're brothers and sisters but they're they're connected they're connected And, and, and i think it's not just by the notes but by the by the background from which it, which it comes, you know, and, and fall back into American African-American history. I think the blues and, and jazz is, is a form of expression that I think, I'd like to believe, came from, from the African-American plight, and uh, using either the horn or the saxophone, or especially the guitar. Uh, Robert,
2: Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, yep. Absolutely, you know Robert
0: Jan- Ron Johnson, and Billie Holiday, to Miles Davis to 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 BB King. I think it was all a form of expression of of you know the, the, the hardness and and sometimes the the, the comedy of, of life. For me, it's for me they connected. Jazz gave it a more intellectual twist because you know you, you really had to be uh, educated on notes and on scales and on, on but. When I say that, that's bullshit because Miles Davis actually he had the chance to go to Juilliard and he, he learned actually on the streets of Harlem. So I mean, I, I think, you know, just to bring, go back to the question, they're both connected and I think they're both connected to the African-American plight and that plight or the people of that plight, expressing themselves the best way they can. And blues was one form and jazz was another.
2: You know, there's a lot of musicians that, you know, come to America you know, from Israel and from other places. And I it's rare. I know even in Kansas City, Logan Richardson's one of the musicians, saxophonists that went to Paris and there's been other people that have gone overseas. And my question to you is when you think about where you came from and you talked about how magnanimous that was in your development and growth, not only as a musician but as a person. And you go to another hotbed of, of urban activity. I'm sure there in Paris. Do you ever look back and think that was the right or wrong move for me?
0: You know, I never look back, and I never have regrets. I do believe it's. I, I believe it's, it was the right move. Absolutely, my career here is is proof of it. I'm, you know, woman mind of my own is the seventh hour, not the first. So I think somewhere that initial intuitive instinctive feeling to come to the brief to, to the Gauche, because I, I, I began in Paris before moving down to the south, it was the right thing to do. It felt even larger than life, to tell you the truth. It was like a calling, like some type of existential calling. I didn't. I don't even feel like I had a choice. It's like if I did that, if I did not do that, I was living my life wrong uh, the, the rest of the time. It felt like, you know, it had to be done. And so, absolutely, absolutely, it was the right thing to do. I mean I don't know if you've ever had that that type of feeling in your life, even outside of the music where you know it's a once in a lifetime uh decision and you're at the fork of the road and you know that you know which way to go. You know it. And every single cell in your body is telling you. And if you don't listen, you feel it. And so no, no regrets, no regrets. I I, I listened and, and and I'm here. And I'm here in a
2: good way as a result of it. So I was in the back of a water taxi in Venice the morning of 9-11-2001. And prior to that, I flew into Paris. And to this day, I don't know that I've ever been anywhere on Earth where I felt as though there was a level of racial harmony and acceptance that was just I'd never felt before. Um, And I always remember that, being in Paris. And I'm wondering... From your perspective, what it what what it's like to live and be a performer in an area and Europeans embrace jazz and blues in a whole strong different way than Americans do. How does that feel?
0: You know, it feels it feels good. And what's the correlation with the nine
2: eleven? I was just kind of thinking about the canals. You had mentioned how clean they were, and you would. Right, right. And, and, I'm, and I got kind of scattered there. My brain was kind of swimming because.
0: Okay, I was, just, I was saying I was saying if I was on. Under- well,
2: and that trip, the precursor to me going to Venice, was being in Paris, and it was kind of prior to the world kind of going um, in right. a different direction. But I just remember the way things felt. Um, at that point,
0: um, I, I, if I understand the, the question correctly, um, how does Paris or how does Europe as a whole, I mean, the fact that you spoke about Venice and now Paris, uh, embrace jazz and uh, embrace the blues or embrace really this? African-American heritage. I don't wanna keep saying, I, I keep saying that, but at the same time, I have so many, when I think of Chet Baker, when I think of, I, I say African-American heritage, but we, we we both know that there's so many, you know, Petriani. there's so many people who express jazz in such an excellent way and don't have black skin. Maybe it's not even about a skin thing, maybe it's about a feeling thing. And now going back to your question, I think Europe as a whole, and especially Paris, has, has jazz and, and blues in their blood. And I'm not sure how that happened. I don't know if it, you know, if it came from post-war uh, playing of, of black soldiers or, or American soldiers, but they definitely have it in their blood and I would say they have it in their soul because they embrace it like no country that I know and, uh, and and they embrace the artists that do it. Like no country that I know, if you, from Marciac uh, to to Vienne to to all the different festivals that they open the world up to for jazz, and even now blues. Who you can find the blues in these venues? They just have a. I, I feel like they just have a greater understanding of it. Really, really. I mean, you can find clubs in New York. You can find clubs in in, in San Francisco. You can find clubs even in Chicago. Well, especially for the blues. But the way it's, it's accepted and embraced here is is really, it's just amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you, if, if you were in Paris and you did do some jazz clubs, you would understand, or even festivals. They just have a, a an open-hearted, wholehearted way of embracing jazz and blues. Yeah, i just interested because it's been such a long time. The last time I was in the States, it was in 2019 in San Diego before the COVID. But, I mean, your impression as, as far as the way... Uh, Jazz is embraced in the States. Do you think it's just as large? Do you think it's just as as big as it is in Europe?
2: No, I think Europe has the rest I mean, from Europe, even Japan, other regions, they're just there's a level of appreciation. I think it's there's numbers that go into people seeing jazz, but I think it's feeling it as a part of popular culture. And I think that's always been a part of their popular culture, not in America. We have two too many other distractions and I hear from a lot of musicians here you know when they're amazed that even now that things are opening up the numbers are low and just that feeling you know you there's not a full-time jazz station here in Kansas City which is a cradle of jazz there's just things that aren't a part of the culture and I think in Europe and even in Japan that music is a part of the tapestry of how they live their lives
0: absolutely well said very, very well said. There's no jazz station in Kansas City?
2: There are pockets. You know, I, I have uh, I have my block that's an hour, and then some people have two or three hours, but a dedicated 24-7, no. We haven't had one of those in my memory i've never known that we've had one well
0: maybe that's something you should look into
2: yeah in fact the mutual musicians foundation on 18 and vine ha- got a station about 5 6 years ago and the executive director got me on the uh, the station and I don't even think it's on there anymore, and they're doing a lot of things that are not really jazz and blues-oriented. You could just keep dreaming. You just got to keep doing what you do, and you know this as a musician, and things will follow. So
0: Absolutely, it, and desire desire with your whole heart. Yeah,
2: yeah. So speaking of desire, well, before I get to that, what was the first live jazz show that you saw that really blew you away? There was that um, trumpet player uh
0: I think it was Eric Trufaz. I don't know if you know who this guy is. He, he made an album uh, called The Dawn. And of course I saw a lot of other classical type jazz concerts. But this guy took this Miles Davis sounding trumpet, which he plays, and he put electric, electric type sounds uh, behind it. But the electric was being played on acoustic instruments. You know, there was a killer drummer, killer pianist, um, killer contrabassist. And uh, it just took jazz to another level. It really took jazz to another level. And it was at the Seagal. I don't know if you know Paris. It was at the Seagal. Back, what was it? Back in the early 2000s. And I was really just blown away by this, this pioneer, this pioneering way to take uh, this just classic sound and, and turn it into something new. That, that it did. It blew me away. I was uh, I loved it. Then I've seen other classic stuff. There's this trumpetist um, his name is Avi it's not the contrabassist, it's, it's his, his name is Avi Cohen, and he's he he is he's killer too. He's killer too. It's more classic, it's more classic playing, but I saw him live as well and that was damn good. That was really good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he is really good. So every day you wake up, you get the chance to create music and be a professional musician. What do you like the best about being a professional musician?
0: What I allow myself to, to do and to be, you have to be really in a creative space. And to be in a creative space, your mind has to be free. And for your mind to be free, you, you really have to kind of let a lot of things that would put you under pressure and stress go. And so I, 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 music is therapeutically help me, uh, not to be too much of a, listen, excuse me for the vulgarity, but not too much of a tight ass. I have to let go. I have to have, um, less control on things. And I think, which allows me to be more in a creative space and, and more open to crazy experiences. And that's what I like about being a professional musician is that I'm actually being paid to enjoy my life and express it, uh, and express it and express it, uh, with my God given voice and, 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 and touch other people. That's, that's the best. That's the best for me. That's the best. I I feel myself very lucky and very blessed to be a professional musician.
2: So let's say you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version, maybe right around the time before you left the States to go to Europe and you Mm -hmm. could, and you could give your younger version, one piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've accumulated throughout all these years. What would you tell your younger version?
0: Wow, man! You have the most incredible of questions. You have to open up either radio station. You have to you have to put up that radio. God, your your as we say in French, your elocution, the way you speak and the words that you use. It's it's really really just nice, nice. Do something with that. Neon jazz is great, but I, you can take it to a higher level. What would I say to um, the younger person? Huh? Wow! I, I just say to her, you know, it, it's kind of. Cliché, but I would say just believe in your dreams. Don't be afraid. Go after your passion. And if you stick to that and you stick to your heart's desire, I'm sounding like Jiminy Cricket, but you stick to your heart's desire and you don't let it go, your dreams can and will come true. And just go for it. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's key. Just don't be scared. There's so There's so many conditions and so many things in, in society and even just with our parents that say, no, you can't. And, he, you know, I would say to her, listen to that part of your heart and your head that says, yes, you can. And go do it. Go do it.
2: So everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you live your life. You have a perception of who you are. Who do you I, think you are?
0: Ooh, earth, wind, and fire. I, I think I'm a shining star. I don't know if it's earth, wind, and fire or, or, or Coldplay. But I think I'm a shining star and when I say star I don't mean like in a celebrity sense I think that I have the potential of, of taking my life and, and and my music where it needs to go and I believe in that and I believe in that and I think I think every not just me I think every person who's living and who's who aspires to be conscious of what it means to be a human being um, I perceive yeah I perceive myself as that as a star and as a person If 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 I allow myself to, I can go very far in light and in music and in life.
2: It was so wonderful to get to know you. I am so ecstatic to be able to present your very soulful and deep music to the Neon Jazz audience. So thank you for taking time out. I appreciate it.
0: I I thank you. Your questions were just, excuse me again for the vulgarity, or as you would say, my French. They were fucking great. Really, they were awesome. Awesome, awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Very, very well spoken. Just, just great. This is, this, in fact, that you know, I'm gonna go away from this interview. Kind of scratching my head. I just, I feel like I just had some type of session. I don't
2: know what. <laughs> That's what people say. They're like, is this my therapy session? It's like, yeah, it's free. I'm just, it's on the house. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Joe. Many blessings to you, man. Keep
2: up the good. Thank Absolutely. You. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We'll give you a bit of insight into the finest players and singers in Brooklyn, France, Kansas City, and spots all over the world. Giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Natalia for her time, class, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for all things Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Everything Joe D'Amino. Go to JoeD'Amino.com, and there you can keep this flame burning via PayPal or Patreon. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
0: Neon
1: Jazz.